If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as I read Revelation 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12 just to remind us of the passage. Uh, We'll end up covering the whole chapter and I'll keep glancing back to various verses. But just understand as I read, this is what God's perspective is on this holiday. And I want you to pay attention to what is done in this passage to those who believe in Jesus and and encourage you to understand that 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 means that helps you understand what Christmas is about. What happens to believers who believe in Jesus can help you understand what Christmas is about from this passage, but also um, what the believers in this passage do in this Christmas focus can help you to celebrate Christmas. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. With seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, who, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for twelve hundred and sixty days. Now, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath Because he knows that his time is short. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. One of my favorite things to ask people during the season is. What is your favorite. Either memory from Christmas or favorite Christmas tradition you you currently do. And uh, that's led to all kinds of uh, helpful conversations, even given me ideas for how I can celebrate Christmas better. Um, most everybody 
who celebrates Christmas uh, at least includes singing of certain songs. And, and maybe their favorite songs are the ones that really get at the heart of what they think of when they think of Christmas. These very familiar songs to us really do represent what we believe. Because that's the, that's the purpose of music. Music takes truths and sets it into our hearts. So the songs that we sing for Christmas tell us or express what we believe about Christmas. They express what we want from Christmas. And today, what I want to do is I want to use Christmas songs and reword them with the truths of this Christmas passage, Revelation chapter 12. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm calling this sermon, The Twelve Ways of Christmas. Really? It's, it's meant to, it's going to be all of that. There's going to be a lot of that. Just get ready. The Twelve Ways of Christmas from Revelation 12. My hope is that the Lord is going to use this and even use these songs that you're going to keep hearing and keep singing. And give you something from Revelation 12 that will just enhance your worship. Here's the main truth I want you to leave with. And we unpacked this last week, but I just want to remind you what Revelation 12 is about. Here's, here's the gospel truth as, as I'm phrasing it for today. And that is, the Christmas child will keep us safe. The Christmas child will keep us safe. So, let's walk through 12 ways of Christmas, which includes a lot of danger and, and a lot of hope that the Christmas child will keep us safe. The first way of Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like conflict. I know it doesn't quite <laughs> you know, roll off the tongue, you know. I, I do want you to understand when God thinks of Christmas, he's not thinking of untouched snow or lights or Christmas trees. He's not. He's thinking of conflict. I, I don't know how y'all do the nativity in your house. But the bishops uh, want the Bible to have its say in our nativity. So here's what we've got going. Um, this is a shot of the bishop's house. Now, you look at that picture and you might say, well, now, what, what doesn't belong? And it's not the dragon. It's those wise men who aren't, who weren't there. You know what I'm saying? This is biblically accurate except for that part. What's accurate is the red, great red dragon poised with seven heads, terrifying over the baby. So that's, the, that's how we do it. That's what I just read to you. This is what God says was happening. Because Christmas, listen. And there's something to learn here. Christmas is charged with conflict. 
I get why we all want peace in our gatherings of our loved ones. But if you're taking your cues from the Bible about what Christmas is about, should you be surprised when your children fight? Especially. We, we watch them fight and we think, why did they? That's what you're going to do today? Should we be surprised when unforgiveness hardens during Christmas? Should we be surprised at all the efforts all around as, as people try to take the spotlight away from Jesus? The first Christmas, Christmas has always been about age-old rivalries. God versus Satan. We read about what was happening in heaven when all that stuff was happening on earth. Angels versus demons. Isn't it reasonable then? That the powers of darkness would influence people to come to their side and celebrate the way they do. We can learn a lot about Christmas by first accepting that there, at the heart of it is conflict, but also to zero in on the conflict, the main one between the dra dragon and the little ruler boy. That's the second way we can celebrate Christmas based on Revelation 12. The little ruler boy. Look again in verse 5. Look, at, look in verse 5. Think about this. I want you to take this in. Why does the dragon want to devour the baby? You can come up with all kinds of reasons why he may not like this baby. But verse 5 is very explicit. Why it is... The dragon is poised there to devour the baby. You can put it this way. The dragon has a Christmas wish list with only one thing on it. And that's to keep this kid off the throne. You see it? Verse 5 says. Verse 3 said he, he might devour the baby the moment it's born. Verse 5 tells us. Who this child is. He's the one to rule all the nations. This, when you think about God's perspective of Christmas, this is what he says. This child is to rule all the nations. We heard in Micah chapter 5, God is going to make his, great, his name great to the ends of the earth. This idea of rule the nations with a rod of iron comes right out of a prophecy made in Psalm chapter 2 where it says there's this huge conflict in the entire world. All the nations want to break free of God and of his king. So they're all spending their entire life. How can we get rid of this king? We don't want any king. And God is watching all the powerful people in the world make this, their strategies and their plots, and he's laughing at them. It says, as for me, I've put my king on my holy hill, and he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. That is what Christmas is all about. 
Take this in. Take it in from Isaiah chapter 9, which we as a church have been focused on this Christmas. To us, a child is born and the government of God is going to be all on this little baby's shoulders. And of the increase of his government, of his rule, and of the peace that he brings, because he's such a good king, there's going to be no end. He's going to sit on the throne of David. And he's going to sit over his kingdom. He's going to establish it. He's going to uphold it. From this time forth and forevermore, and the zeal of the Almighty God is going to make sure it happens. However you think of Christmas, however you think of the baby in the manger, however you even try to faithfully keep Christ at the center of Christmas, know this, the little Lord Jesus came to rule the world. And that's exactly what happened. Look look back in verse 5. He's the one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Her child is... Born, the the dragon's coming in to get the child, but the child is caught up where? Where? And is thrown. So the little drummer boy, remember why he drummed? Because he had no gift to bring that was fit for a king. At the very heart of celebrating Christmas should be honoring not just a person, not just thinking of God's son generally, but the king. You've got to take a side. And you should do that on purpose. Is it evident when you are drawing people to your house and what you do there that there's a king who's at the center of your Christmas? Is is the king reflected? Is his rule reflected in how you give gifts and how you receive gifts or don't receive gifts? Someone's always king. That may be why Santa's always on a throne. Our king is the one who we give the most honor and attention to. So maybe think twice about saying that Christmas is all about kids. It's for the kids. Or this is the last one we have with grandpa or whatever. A Revelation 12 kind of Christmas we've seen already. There's two main things just to be simple. You need to crown the baby and you need to conquer the dragon. That needs to be at the heart of a Christian celebration of Christmas. Crown the baby and conquer the dragon. But let me give you ten more things. (laughs) Just real quick. Uh, The third way of Christmas. Here comes Satan's claws. Oh man, I'm trying guys. Here comes Satan's claws. Do we have a... We've got it so small. I switched, I switched the order. Sorry about that. Oh, don't put the third one. That's so good. Don't read the third one. 
I'm going to do that one for Sorry about this. Here comes Satan's clause. You're familiar with, uh, you know, Christmas clause, I'm sure, when the kid don't get his way. But but Revelation 12 says that Satan's claws come out whenever he doesn't get his way. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 says that the, the dragon has been thrown down to earth. And then verse 12 told us that he's come down in wrath. He's, he's bearing his claws. Because he can't touch the sun. He can't even get close to the sun. Now he's not even. The sun comes up to heaven and he's got to go. So. Here comes Satan's claws. Here comes Satan's claws. I'm trying to give you words to change when you sing this song. Right to the church of Jesus. What I mean is he's not after everybody. Verse 13 tells us who he's after. The dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to the earth and he pursues the woman. And that is the church. The woman is the people of God, the collective people of God. That's who he's after. Look in verse 17. Who is the dragon after? He doesn't care about a lot of people. He is making war on the offspring of the woman, which is the church. Those who keep the commandments of God and those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the dragon is coming for you. And he's scary. He wants to scare you and hurt you into this specific thing that you would stop honoring the king. Stop keeping his commandments. Stop professing him as king. Beloved, I want you to be encouraged. The Christmas child will keep us safe from him. But that safety that he brings to us includes claws. He's going to keep us safe through Satan's claws coming to us. He's not going to keep us safe from the threat of Satan's claws. You may be sitting there and thinking, well, that's not a good deal. Why would I celebrate the king if it invites the great red dragon to come for me? Listen, I get that line of thinking, but the only thing more dangerous than being hunted by Satan is being caught by him. He's fine with Hanukkah. He loves religion. He's happy for you to have the happiest holiday He's happy for you to have peace. He's happy for you to have all the gifts you want. He's happy for you to feel a lot of love. He doesn't feel the need to bring his claws against you if if he can just keep you comfortable and ignoring the king. This is the most dangerous thing of all, to be safe in his trap and condemned to hell. So let me give you the fourth way. Revelation 12. Fourth way of Christmas from Revelation 12. Grandma got run over by a dragon. Grandma got run over by a dragon, sorry. Um, And see, this is so anticlimactic. That was going to be it. Grandma got run over by a ranger. Ain't nobody heard that? Well, Grandma got run over by a dragon. I remember belting this out as a kid. I just love this song. And you think about it. Like, why do we love... This 
snappy tune. This is some pretty dark lyrics. Revelation 12 says grandma got run over by a dragon. You see that in verse 12 or chapter 12, verse 9. You see it? He's the deceiver of the whole world. Everyone. The rotten ones and the sweet ones, too. The whole world has been run over by the deceiver. So smiling grandmas, spoiling grandmas, grandpas, whatever, sweet kids. At the, 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 the people who are at the very heart of our sweetest memories, if Jesus is not the center of their holiday, then they've been run over by a deceiver. Now, you, you may be thinking, well, that's a good title. Um, because dragons are about as real as reindeer. Well, you may say there's no such thing as Satan. But open your eyes at all the absurd, crazy deception that surrounds us at Christmas. Far more people love the season than the Savior that it's about. And you can be run over by the dragon whenever you are distracted by everything. And the, and the one thing you're not thinking about is Jesus. That's what the dragon's doing. You can be run over by deception if in any way you diminish Jesus and elevate anything above him. And I want to encourage you to let, whenever you see that kind of diminishing, that kind of indifference, that kind of distraction, I want you to see deception and I want you to double down on your belief. Double down on meaning, meaningful Christmas celebrations, words that we speak. So listen, children. I hope you come this afternoon to the various parties. We've given thought to how to celebrate these things. We, we, we want you to have so much fun. And, and I want you to learn from this young age that there are kind ways to celebrate and love Christmas that would be totally appropriate and approved and planned by a dragon. And there are also ways that celebrate Christmas that will draw out his claws. And you should just get this in your mind as a young child. If you will really worship Jesus during Christmas, then there will be people who you like who won't like it. And you have a choice to make. Bear. Their dislike of Jesus, even if it means you lose friends because of what your focus is. Grandma got run over by a dragon. But beloved, take heart. The Christmas child is going to keep us safe from him. And that ultimately is explained in the fifth way of Christmas. All I want for Christmas is blood. Mariah, Carrie, what's she singing about? <laughs> 
Listen, children, when you hear Mariah talking about all she wants for Christmas, I want you to, I mean, let's start a tradition right now. Every wish list you ever give to anybody, to your parents, to grandparents, to strangers, to Santa Claus, anytime anyone asks you what you want, this would be good for adults to do as well. I'm not trying to turn you into vampires. I'm not trying to creep everybody out. I want you to know the wonder of Christmas. Christmas is full of blood. Christmas is where the Son of God took on a body with veins so that he could be filled with blood. The dragon in our passage is thirsty for blood. King Herod, when he heard that the king was born, spilled a whole lot of blood in hopes of killing him. When the Jews met their own king, they wanted his blood. When Pontius Pilate, the governor of Rome, found out that there was a superior king in this world over Caesar, he shed the blood of Jesus. This is the third Sunday of Advent. And this Sunday in particular, we are to emphasize the joy that we have because God was born a baby. And the joy that you can have because God was born a baby is about blood. Listen to what, listen to the Christmas passage in Hebrews chapter 2. Since God's children share in flesh and blood, Jesus took on the same things so that having flesh, having blood, he could die and by his death destroy the one who has the power of death, which is Satan. And so that by his blood and his death, he could deliver everyone who's terrified of facing God in death. And therefore, he was made like his brothers and sisters in every respect. So that he could satisfy God's anger for our sins. All I want for Christmas is blood. Listen, if you, if you... If God is working in your heart and in your life in this moment and he is making you feel your sin against such a great God. You see, if he's making you feel how you have neglected the Lord Jesus, if he's helping you to see that you've been in the trap of the devil. And now you're starting to feel if I face God after I die. All the accusations that anyone had against me. Were either right or they were worse. That, that God knows worse about me. And if you want those accusations to be silenced. If you know you can't get to heaven. If you have any guilt at all. And if you're feeling that guilt right now. And if that makes you say all I want is blood. Then there is good news. Because Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says. That Christians Conquer the accuser by the blood of this child. 
So let me encourage every single person here in the words of something 300 years old. Listen, faith, see the place and see the tree where heaven's prince instead of me was nailed to bear my shame. Bruised was the dragon by the sun, though two had wounds, there conquered one and Jesus was his name. All your shame can be gone by blood. Trust him. The Christmas child will keep us safe. And only he can. The sixth way of Christmas from Revelation 12. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? I don't know if anyone's ever actually heard the sleigh bells of Santa. But when you hear that song, hear a different sleigh, S-L-A-Y. Sleigh bells were church bells that rung when um, especially Christians died. And look, look in chapter 12 and verse 11 at people who understand Christmas. They love not their lives even unto death. And there, it's a reference to Christians who would not forsake Jesus even if, when it cost them their life. If you love the Lord Jesus, it can get you killed. But know this, getting killed will get you home. Because it was getting killed that got Jesus back home. And we follow him. Maybe none of us will be required, required to die for our faith, but there's a seventh way of Christmas from Revelation 12, and that's you'll have a blue Christmas. You'll have a blue Christmas. Elvis was blue because he was missing his best girl. But Christian, if you will follow what God says about Christmas, you will expect the blues. You will expect in this season to be missing something that you wish you had. It can be any number of things. And the reason that you should just expect to have a blue Christmas is because every Christmas is spent in the wilderness. In verse 6 it says, the woman went to the wilderness, which is a place of want, a place of need, a place of danger, a place of threat. She would be there for 1260 days in the book of Revelation. That means all the time from when Jesus was taken up into heaven until when he comes back from heaven. So your entire life, not just every Christmas, but every Christmas will be spent in the wilderness and therefore it will include the blues. Can't escape it. The cosmic conflict will come to you. But take heart. Because verse 6 and verse 14 say that God is the one who's leading us into the wilderness. He brings us there. In other words, he allows these disappointments into our lives because he proves himself in those moments. But what's also true is the devil rushes to the wilderness. He rushes to disappointed Christians. He rushes to disappointed Christians. This is so important. The devil comes when you're disappointed. 
It's God who brings the disappointment because he wants to prove that he's faithful and better. And the devil meets us there. The eighth way of Christmas. Baby, there's lies outside. <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not gonna spend this church time analyzing the lyrics of that song. Just know this: the guy's lying about why he wants to get inside. And Satan corners Christians in the wild when they're disappointed. And, but notice it, it tells us what he's, he's going to do when he gets to us. He's going to open up his mouth. He's going to open up his mouth. Verse 15 says, from his mouth comes a flood. And it's from the mouth of a deceiver. So he opens his mouth and lies. Baby, there's lies outside. Get this. Get this. When you're disappointed... The devil will deceive you. You need to be so sensitive to disappointment. Sadness, fear, anger. Because that's when the claws set in. And it will be lies. Maybe this week. You have a moment where you're going without. And somehow he's going to say, it's not just people who don't care about you. God doesn't care about you. Or you're begging him for one relationship in particular to get better, and it does not. And he's going to come. Stop talking to God about it. There is no point. He doesn't answer prayers. Not for you. Or he's not powerful enough. Even he can't do this. When Jesus faced the devil in the wilderness, what did he do? The devil brought lies when Jesus was wanting food. Uncomfortable, and Jesus survived with Scripture. That's right. That is why, you got to get this, Ephesians chapter 6, when it says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand when the devil comes with his schemes. He says, stand if you fasten the belt of truth on you. The belt of truth. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you want to stand, you got to have scripture. The Christ child, the Christmas child will keep us safe through scripture. And you need it most when it's hardest to open. It's when you're disappointed and when you're flooded with things that aren't true that seem really, really true. The most dangerous thing in the wilderness is not having truth when you're being lied to. And so, the ninth way of Christmas. Have yourself a churchy little Christmas.
I want you to notice how the woman, when attacked by the devil, is nourished. Verse 6, God cares for her in the wilderness. Verse 16, when the devil comes to attack with his flood, God causes things in the wilderness to happen. What he's saying is, God nourishes his people, the woman. The woman is not an individual Christian. It's the church. In other words, protection from God is in the church. He meets with the church. He feeds, he protects the church in the wilderness. That's why he says at the very beginning of the letter, blessed is the one who reads aloud, aloud, not to himself, not just opening scripture to yourself, read it silently. He's reading it aloud because he's surrounded by other people. That's the person who's blessed, who reads this book aloud and blessed are those who hear and keep it. Who are in the room when it's read. The church, beloved, is where God's word to help us stand uniquely is. Not just from the pulpit, but from the pews, from the people who will speak the truth. The people. You will not survive on your own. You need people who will even bring to you things forgotten because of your disappointment. So when it's hardest to come and hear the truth, to come to church, when you think everyone's got their stuff together, they don't. When you need it most, have yourself a churchy little Christmas. Tenth way of Christmas from Revelation 12. Go. Tell it in the valley. I mean, if I could sing, I'd do better. But uh, go tell it in the valley. The reason we sing go tell it on the mountain is because mountains are microphones. You get to a high place and then you're able to get it further out. And there's something very true about singing that song and reminding ourselves that the mo- one of the most important ways we can celebrate Christmas is to tell everyone who's going to listen to us that not just that the Savior was born, but what that means for our life. And sure enough, in this Christmas passage, we have people testifying, telling of Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 11, they're telling the, de- the devil. They conquer him by the word of their testimony, by their personal faith in the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, the dragon becomes furious with the woman. He goes off to make war with the rest of her offspring there in the wilderness. He's making war with those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Not just what he's done in their life, but what he's done, period. They hold fast what God has said about Jesus and they tell it. So go tell it. But I'm saying in the valley. Because Revelation 12 has, has, has Christians living more in the valley than on mountaintops. It has Christians who, who are experiencing the claws of Satan coming out for them. It, it has Christians who are being even killed for their faith. 
It has Christians, every one of them being blue because they're experiencing a life full of want and danger. That's the way we'll spend Christmas. And in the valley, we should tell about Jesus. That's why it's so much more powerful to see tiny Tim and his joy about Christmas in comparison to someone who has everything Scrooge. Something really powerful about seeing someone who's crippled, whose life won't be long, and he's still, and he's poor, and he's so filled with joy because he understands Christmas. Tell it in the valley. Jesus looks far more precious in the valley. When people are so rejoicing, even though they're lonely during Christmas. Even when it's hard to make ends meet during Christmas. Jesus looks so precious when they're still testifying to him then. Because we're totally satisfied and therefore we're not silent. Tell it in the valley. Amen. Just felt like we needed one. Just a few years ago, my brother gave me a Christmas present, and it was um, it was this board game from the 1980s. E.T. The movie E.T. He's I mean, and this is this was not a new version of it. This thing was all broken up, and he gives this to me. And my heart can struggle when I get presents on Christmas. I'll just admit it right now. I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, I was not pleased with this present. <laughs> it's a rickety old, you know, board game. And I'm like, what are you? You don't know me at all? And he said, here's the deal. When we were real little, there was one Christmas where I got into the room before you did. And I saw that game on your side of the presents. And I stole it because I'm bigger than you. And I wanted to make it right. I said, you waited 40 years? He <laughs> just, just felt bad for this? He had to track it down. That was nice. But then I started thinking, my mom saw this and didn't stop any of it? He was the favorite kid. I knew it. I get it. I, I know earlier I said all I want for Christmas is blood. But you can understand during Christmas time, it's possible to get all your gifts like my brother did. He got all the gifts he wanted and he wanted to get more. So, the 11th way of Christmas is all I want for Christmas is to obey you. Let me add one more thing that should be all we want for Christmas, and that's to obey the Lord Jesus. Because once you understand he gave his blood, and therefore he gave it all, that changes us. It makes us people, in verse 17, who keep his commands. And we do that because he's the ruler of the nations. He's a king. And if you can't treat a king, why do you call me king, king, and not do what I say? So all I want for Christmas, this should be right under blood for you. All I want for Christmas is to obey the one who shed his blood. Obey the little ruler boy. And do it. Whenever you're sad because there's a, there was a harsh word said by a loved one to you. Then obey. You think, and I think, because I'm struggling right now, 
We just kind of pause my obedience and it's okay. And I don't have to confess for anything. I don't have to be sorry for anything. No, he wants your obedience then. Obey the king whenever you are not favored. Then he's commanding you be kind. Don't be hateful. Obey him whenever you're stressed in the next week because you're spending all this time trying to get the house ready or trying to finish the meal or whatever. Just know the king is telling you be patient. The king is telling you be gentle. The king is saying it's not okay for you to lash out right now just because you're surrounded by people who seem to be doing absolutely nothing. Obey the king. Right now we're being flooded. Our emails are being flooded with this. Get this perfect gift. It's still time to get this one perfect gift. Well, Christmas should be filled with searching for the perfect gift. Every single moment asking the question, what does my king want from me right now? Right now, what is it? That's a great way to celebrate Christmas. I've given you 11 and and I want to encourage you. Uh, after the service during a hospitality time, or maybe over lunch, or, or maybe at the Christmas parties or whatever, or maybe it's, it's sometime because today's so busy, it's, it's, it's during this week or whatever. Go through these and pick out one or two that really stand out that you need to focus on. And ask someone to pray for you. But there's one last way of Christmas from Revelation 12. And I'm not going to mess with the words of this one. It's O come, O come, Emmanuel. If this is the very best Christmas you've ever had. You're still going to be in the wilderness. It's still outside the promised land. The very best here is not enough. So when you think about the Christmas child will keep us safe, understand where safety really is and finally is. And as you celebrate Advent or appearing, the appearing of Christ, remember, he appeared here to take us there. It's Emmanuel, God with us. And we're not finally safe until we're with him. So, will you let every delight as well as every disappointment and every danger make you long? O come, O come, Emmanuel. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming. And we pray that you would use this word, these 12 words, to enrich our worship of you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.